what is the meaning of Christmas? And why do we have so many celebrations? What is so special and significant about the birth of Jesus? Let's dive into that tonight. And we're just gonna look at one verse, one holy moment. You know, a holy moment is when God intervenes in your life. And it can happen every day. Holy moments that also change history and change our destiny. They're transformative. And this is a holy moment that's so powerful. And as we read this one verse today, I encourage you to look for the goodness, the grace, and the glory of Jesus. And not only in this verse, but also in your lives. Look for the goodness, grace, and glory of Jesus. Our verse today that we're going to highlight is Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And let's all say this verse together. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We're going to look at the four ends of Christmas in this one verse. And right away, you notice, it's important when you read the Bible to observe, that there was no room for Jesus in the inn. If you switch that to an allegory and made it contemporary, as you think about that innkeeper and Jesus, Mary, and Joseph arrive, he might say, well, there's only seven rooms. And you know, the first room is my to-do list. That's my accomplishments. That's my job and role. And Jesus, I'm doing that just fine. I don't need you in that room. Well, the second room is my history and some of my past and my junk, and I don't want you in that room, Jesus. The third room is my hobbies, and no thanks, Jesus. Uh, no, I got that covered. Now, the fourth room, it's under construction. It's a mess. I'll acknowledge that, Jesus, so why don't you stay out of that room, too? And then the fifth room is kind of a, well, it's a scrolling room. I like to go through Instagram and Facebook and, you know, social media. I like to scroll a lot of time. I just don't want you to change any of that. And the sixth room is beyond PG-13. You can't go in that part of my life, Jesus. And, you know, the seventh room is the nicest room, and that's where I stay. Because I just, that's my room, Jesus. It's not your room. But Mary and Joseph, I hope it works out well for you. And Jesus, come back again. Maybe sometime when my life slows down and we've got some room, then you can come back in at that point, Jesus. You know, I think highly of you, Jesus, but there's just no room here. All the best, all the best. Now, if you and I could go back to that moment and give the innkeeper some advice, we would probably say, make some room. Make some room because that's the Prince of Peace. Make some room for Jesus. And if we could encourage each other in your heart tonight, make some room for Jesus. In your home, not just at church, but start making more room for Jesus. And can you imagine Auburn if we said yes to Jesus and made room where we live, work, learn, and play? And isn't it our prayer for America these days that we would experience healing as we make room for Jesus? You see, life can boil down to that one message, make room for the Lord. It's the pattern of Jesus's life, starting at his birth, to often be overlooked and undervalued. Overlooked and undervalued right there at the end as he's denied access. Overlooked and undervalued from the very first Christmas. And then as he grew up, you know what they said about him? They said, Nazareth, what good can come from Nazareth? And they underestimated and overlooked Jesus again. 
in his hometown, there was a lack of faith and belief and trust in him. And so as a result, there just weren't many miracles there. Even his own family doubted him, although they lived right with him, overlooked and undervalued. You know what happened in this region where there were 10 cities, the Decapolis, Jesus showed up because there was a man who was demon-possessed by a legion of demons. Jesus cast out the demons. The man was in his right mind. And you know what the people said after that because some pigs died? You know what they said? Jesus, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, please leave the region. How many regions right now are saying, please leave the region? He just drove out the legion and they tell him to leave the region. Do you see the irony in that moment? There were two, one can be released. Is it Jesus? No, they said, release Barabbas. Release Barabbas and crucify Jesus because he's overlooked and undervalued again. No room for Jesus. That was the message even from his first days on earth. And that was the message that he would live with on the receiving end, overlooked and undervalued. And aren't you grateful that Jesus doesn't let that define him. You know what? Jesus is gonna be faithful. He's gonna be faithful with his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his return. It doesn't matter how many people doubt him, throw shade at him, hate him, mock him, deny him. You can't stop Jesus from being faithful all the way. And today, if you have a sense of rejection, people are overlooking you, undervaluing you. Just come back to Jesus because he understands Stay faithful to God, stay faithful, run the race God has marked out for you. That's what Jesus does and it's inspiring how he overcomes the setbacks. There was no room in the end. There's a second in to this verse. Let's go ahead and read it all together because when you read the Bible, it's great to read verses again and again. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. So in Luke 2, 7, let's say it out loud together. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. The second in is that Jesus is in Mary. This is a miracle. God chooses a teenager. God chooses a teenager, Mary, and I'm so grateful for the teenagers at our church. God is doing a remarkable work in our next generation. Grace, kids, middle school, high school, teenagers in our church love Jesus. They are coming to know him. They're getting baptized. They're sharing their story. They're inspiring. They're leading friends to Jesus. They are living for the Lord. They are on fire for Jesus. And they're setting an example in their speech and their love and their purity and their faith. They're setting an example. And that's what God's doing. And we celebrate that. We give God the glory. Now, we have four kids and we have some teenagers in our house. And I'll admit as a parent, one thing that's kind of a challenge in the teenagers is to hand over the keys to drive the car. Now, my kids are trustworthy. I'm telling myself, you can trust them, you can trust them, and I can trust them. I'm just owning as a parent. That's one of those defining, sometimes challenging moments where you hand the keys of the car to the teenager to the teenager, because in your mind, you still kind of see them as kind of young, but you're gonna hand over the keys. And I put that in the perspective of just thinking of God the Father, who's not gonna hand over the keys to Mary of the car. No, he has something far more valuable, his own son. He is going to give his son to a teenager. 
a teenager that's never changed diapers, never burped a child, a teenager to guide the Son of God and the Messiah. Father God is empowering a teenager, Mary, in one of the most important roles on the earth. Well, what does that tell us? Mary is chosen. You are chosen. Mary was called to carry the Christ. Literally, Jesus is inside of Mary. God's in a body. Now, Jesus is fully God and fully human, enters a human body, and then he's also inside of a human body, Mary. Mary is carrying God, carrying his presence, also carrying his truth and his joy and his love. And today, you are carrying God's presence when you follow Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. You carry God's truth and God's love everywhere you go. Mary was pregnant with purpose. You are filled with a divine purpose. God empowers you. Receive the calling on your life. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. When you put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God's presence when you surrender to God asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's one thing theologically to understand and correctly worship God who is above us. We also worship God as he's around us and next to us. And we worship God and he's upon us, but we also worship God who is in us. God wants to be dwelling in you in the fullness of his presence every day. 24-7 relationship. Now that doesn't make you God. You're not God. You have God dwelling in you. Mary was not God. She has God dwelling in her. We are not God. We need God. Mary was not God. She needs God. Why do we need God? Because none of us are self-sufficient. We can't save ourselves. None of us are the center of the universe and none of us belong on the throne, even though every single day we try to jump on that throne and claim it as our own. But reality is that Jesus is on the throne and we are designed to love and worship him and receive his love and his purpose. Just like God was in Mary, I'm telling you, God is in Grace Community Church. God is in you. God is in the people. If we don't have God's presence, this church is just a bunch of stuff. It's just a bunch of religion. What makes it different is God's presence with us and in us. And when that happens, that God is dwelling in you, God will work through you in amazing ways. And I say this to encourage you because there's no limits with God and God is moving locally and globally. Uh, Locally, I want to uh, let you know that we have a Samaritan fund. And when you give, you think, well, where does some of that go? And over 21 families that are in need were helped right now during Christmas because of your generosity. And that's locally. There were 30 gifts given to a memory care center and the people that are there. And then what about globally? You see, together, we're able to make a difference. I'm excited that we're now connected to over 200 kids in Cambodia. And you know what? We're intentionally bringing clean water to Africa together. Here's a couple pictures from some of our international partners that just came in this week. There's now clean water. This is in Uganda. 
And the joy of having clean water, something that we often take for granted. I'm thinking also of international partners in South Sudan and then also our partnership with World Vision. And some of you get ready to run a half marathon coming up this year because we are continually wanting to bless. Why? Because you carry with you the joy, the peace, even the clean water. And you carry that with you and you're able to bless people locally and globally and we can do far more together. So on 2023 and this year coming up, just open yourself up to God's presence and his purpose, a fresh way that God wants to move in you. Now, there's a third in, and in Luke chapter two, verse seven, you don't wanna read this a third time, some of you. You you had a busy holiday, so I'm gonna read this one. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. Jesus is in the manger. That's the third in. And when you think about a manger, that's not really where you expect to find a Messiah. Some people say, is it more like a barn or a cave? It's probably more like a cave. And we don't know everything about the manger, but it was probably damp and dark. It was cold in the manger. And you know, sometimes we paint these manger pictures and we put together these manger scenes and I'm not sure how accurate they are because we really like everything clean. And in the manger scene, I think there was a lot of dirt and I, I think it was a, in some ways it was kind of filthy in there, dust everywhere. And this really ties into some of our overall preferences because overall we like life, we like it warm, we like it clean, we want things to smell good, we want cozy beds, we want televisions that are big flat screens, we want remote controls, we want smartphones and we want things cozy and it just wasn't like that in the manger. It just wasn't like that in Jesus's birth. And this contrast that it reeked and yet you have royalty, this contrast highlights the humility of Jesus. And you know, it wasn't gonna be any easier after he was born because Herod was threatened. Herod heard there was a king that was born and started to kill kids. In fact, Jesus and the family had to flee and escape to Egypt. Life was not gonna get any easier after Christmas. And if you're here today and you felt some rejection by people that have mistreated you, Jesus can relate. Jesus can relate. If someone's tried to undermine you and tear you down and verbally slander you, Jesus can relate. If somebody has tried to wipe out God's given purpose for you, Jesus can relate. Those were some of the things he understands, he overcame, and you can have a shared sense with Jesus. Because you know, I was reading, and this is an account that going back to those days historically, that there was a preparation of the lamb for the Passover sacrifice. And they would take a newly born lamb and strips. And with those strips and swaddling that cloth, they would wrap that lamb so there would be no bruise or blemish to the lamb. And sometimes they would place the lamb in a trough to protect it. Jesus Christ is the lamb of God. He's perfect, he's sinless, fully God, fully human. And there was a calling on his life that involved serving and sacrifice and submission from day one. It wasn't all, we, we liked the whole comfortable and convenient and cozy. It, it was never part of Jesus's call. It just wasn't. So we put our minds on Christ and we think through the sacrifice he was prepared to make starting from his birth. And it highlights a consistent humility 
When you think about Jesus in the manger, it's a consistent humility that is throughout his life. May we become more like Jesus with a consistent humility. He was a friend of sinners. He connected with people who the culture rejected. He also went to a Samaritan woman and broke the cultural norms. She had been divorced many times. Religious leaders wouldn't go near her, but Jesus cared for her. He elevated women and children. He was washing feet and the disciples said, don't do this. But that's the humility Jesus lives with. He washes feet. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And when the triumphal entry came in Jerusalem, he was riding on a donkey. On the cross, he was between two criminals. A consistent humility in Jesus's life. The more you become like Jesus, the more there'll be a consistent humility in your life. And it does us well to think about the Lord because the culture's going in the other direction. And when we look at Jesus, he doesn't chase after so many things that we chase after. He doesn't get anxious about so many things we get anxious about. He has a compassion that's radical, not cautious and indifferent or selfish. He has a boldness. No one's more humble than Jesus. No one's more bold than Jesus. He boldly talks about God and truth and love everywhere he goes. Do we wanna be more like Jesus and grow? We need to abide with the Lord. And passages like this remind us he was intentional with conversations, reactions, people, places, and purpose. He was always listening to the Father and there was a consistent humility in his life. It leads to the fourth in, and the truth is that we are in Christ. Now, how many people here have had some scams over the last month that people tried to reach out, call, text. I've had so many scams, one text after another, it just has scam written all over it. Uh, my wife and I received different scams, tying into different things, banks, post office. Don't be duped, be discerning. Don't give money where you shouldn't give money. And what's happening in all those scams? People are trying to take resources. They're trying to take money and cash. Jesus is the opposite. Jesus is coming to you. He's real and he has a gift, a gift for you to receive. If you put your trust in Jesus, I can tell you this today because the promises of God, you are accepted, you have peace with God, you have the forgiveness of all your sins. It's in Christ. It's your position. You're part of God's family forever. No one can take that away. There's an eternal security because you are in Christ. There's an authority as well because you can even drive out demons in Jesus' name. And ultimately your identity, your deepest identity is that you are a daughter or son of God. There's no deeper identity. In a world and culture right now, just grasping and searching for identity, trying to change something to find out where do I land my identity, this is where you land it. You are a son and daughter of God. Know who you are, know whose you are. And that'll minister the deepest part of your life. Maybe you're here today and you're kind of, well, you got doubts. You're kind of cynical. Maybe there's been some disappointment, even in churches. And you got skepticism. Well, God knows that we are bent that way. So God keeps sending more confirmation. That's why the story, and you saw it tonight, includes angels 
God's messengers. It includes shepherds that are saying and singing the same thing. Magi have come in because this isn't local, it's global. Elizabeth, Zechariah, same testimony. John the Baptist, Jesus increases, I decrease. God's word, the Bible, is the same consistent story. The Holy Spirit is nudging you and the Holy Spirit is getting your attention tonight because what does the Holy Spirit do? Draw you back, tell you to come home. You see, in all these things, in sending Jesus himself, in all these things, God is pursuing you and loving you. And now you have a choice to respond, to not have a hard heart. And maybe you think, well, you don't know what I'm going through. The discouragement, the despair. You don't know what it's like in my marriage, and my parenting. You don't know our finances. You don't know my health situation. You don't know the strife, what people have tried to say about me. You, you don't know how much I'm going through. The list of challenges is long. And for Jesus, starting at the first Christmas, the list of challenges is long. It really is. Don't wanna shrink that for Jesus or for us. But there is a joy that Jesus brought that's greater than our hardships. And there's a peace that's deeper than our trials. And there is a hope that the world can't put out. And that birth of Christ still resonates in so many ways today. Let it move your heart in worship. It's eternal, it's personal, it's a relationship. And as you think about these four ends, there was no room for Jesus in the end Let's make room for the Lord tonight. Jesus was in Mary and God is calling you to carry his love and truth in a special way. Now he was in the manger and inspires us towards a consistent humility. And in Christ, that is your identity. Now, where are you tonight? Are you ready to align with Jesus? to show your appreciation for Jesus, abide with Jesus, adore Jesus, worship Jesus, trust Jesus, go all in for Jesus. You can even tell him, I'm sorry, God, I've been distracted. I flipped my priorities. Jesus, you are worthy. Let God make some shifts. Let this be a holy moment in your life as you've heard from the Lord. And I also wanna give an invitation. If you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus, you can make that decision for the first time. You see, you don't earn your way in this relationship. It's grace, an undeserved gift. Just like you're sitting in a chair, you're trusting the chair. You need to place your trust in Jesus and follow him. Receive that gift. And there's an opportunity tonight to make that decision. And for some of you, you know Jesus and tonight's the night to return home. God is calling you to say, come home, come home, come home. You've been too far away for too long. You come home, you come home. And the way we're gonna give the invitation is simply a raising of the hand. You're not gonna have to say or do anything, but by you lifting your hand, you're acknowledging, I wanna follow Jesus for the first time, or I wanna come home. I've been wandering and I wanna come home. And then I'm gonna pray for you. So if you're ready to make that decision, to follow Jesus, to come home, return to God with all your heart, just lift up your hand now, lift up your hand. That's it. There's a hand back. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for each person here and online. Jesus, making a decision in this moment to follow you as Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you that you are faithful. All your promises, you keep them all. And for eternity, we're gonna sing your praise. Thank you, Jesus, for your birth, your death, your resurrection. 
We honor you right now. Thank you that you call us home and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.